When people think about planning a church, they think about just building a building, sticks and mud and, and stones, and you stack it up, and then you meet there once a week. And I want to tell you, in Uganda, it's nothing like that. We plan a school. The school becomes an opportunity for children to get their very first taste of education. That school doubles as a church where people come in and meet Jesus. And then we plan a well where people can get access to clean water. Every day they gather in church or in school, they're being fed a meal. And for many of these kids, they have no other access to a good meal. They have no other access to a full plate. Even the least of these, he said, you did it for me. And what comes next is access to medical facilities, medical care that they never had before. The children in these villages, their future is radically shifted. It's changed forever. Their children's children will have the chance to learn and to learn who Jesus is. If you imagine a church just being stones and bricks that make a building that you just join in once a week, that's not what Jesus had in mind. He had in mind a church that overcame the gates of hell, one that didn't back down from anything, one that overcame the gates of of poverty, one that overcame the gates of dirty drinking water, of witchcraft, of malnutrition, of suffering, of lack of medical care. Jesus' church overcomes those things, and that's what we see here. There's so much argument and conjecture and discussion about what the local church does, but I want to tell you here in Uganda, it transforms the community. When uh, Jesus used the language of the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church, he did not say the gates of the church will not prevail against hell. This was offense language, not defense. We are kicking down doors of poverty, kicking down doors of violence, kicking down doors of trafficking, kicking them all down. And the church is the primary outpost of that. And Alex Matala has been with us, it's been four years. He's been our partner in Uganda for years and years and years. And you've been kicking down the gates of hell in Uganda for the better part of 40 years. Would you welcome Alex? Now, I noticed when he was coming in on uh, Friday night about midnight, if you've ever waited for somebody coming down an escalator at uh, Nashville International Airport in the construction, you can sort of see their feet coming down on the escalator before you ever see their bodies. And I saw these boots, and I knew exactly that it was Alex Matala. The only guy coming into Nashville with cowboy boots at midnight was (laughs) Alex Matala, and wearing them pretty good, I might add. (laughs) So you've been at this for 40 years? Yeah, so we decided? 47 years. 47 years. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So 47 years ago, a young Alex Matala decides to start planting churches in Uganda. Is that where you started? I uh, started there when I was, um, I think I said planting churches in 37 years but preaching for the seven years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Were you a pastor at that point? Not really. You know, when you are planting churches, two-way, you know, um, what is church planting, by the way? Church planting is when you go out to do evangelism with the aim of establishing a local assembly. 
that is church planting. Mm -hmm. But you can still go out, right. preach the gospel, preach, 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 <laughs> preach, 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 and preach, and see people coming to Jesus, and you go back home. That is not church planting. That is not church planting. That is evangelism. Yeah. Yeah. So I was doing evangelism before that, and 37 years, then I started planting churches. And then a few years ago, we came in contact with you. Every building you see behind us was built and paid for uh, in the last two years by you. Like you did that. Thank you. I don't know if you remember this or not, but remember two and a half years ago, I was like, I'm so mad at these restrictions and these lockdowns and these, we're so mad, we're gonna double down on what God, we're gonna do twice as many churches this year, we're gonna drill twice as many wells this year, and this is the result of it just in the last two years. Does not represent everything that has been done through you guys, this is just the last couple of years, and doesn't represent what's happening on the ground right now moving forward. But every one of these villages represent a group of people that on the left, like what is the village in the left here that we're, this is just from just a couple of months ago. Who is, the, that, that was, a, what is the name of that village? I can't pronounce it. Bokukut. 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 <laughs> it sounds like baby talk, you know, oh, Bokukut. Bokukut. Where's that little Bokukut? Um... <laughs> This village is in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. This is, if you remember over the summers, uh, someone gave me a chicken. Right? Like, that was it. Now, it wasn't rotisserie. Like, I wasn't going to Costco. Did, they gave me a chicken. Did you bring it here? They wouldn't let me bring it. So, Hakeem, Hakeem I named it Mandy Irwin. I know Andy is here. Is Mandy here? Mandy is our chicken farmer, so I named it Mandy Irwin. I tried to name it Andy, and then I realized it wasn't a rooster. So, it's Mandy. Uh, <laughs> But then when I realized this, uh, I named it Mandy, we, we couldn't cook it and eat it. So he's living out a life of luxury in uh, Hakeem's house now, laying eggs. That, uh, and I have a proof of life video of Mandy. He's still alive. <laughs> but that was a big deal because like, that's a, a chicken is like currency for them mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in that village. So this village right now, when you first find it, there's no school, there's no, no well. hospital, no clinic, no school, no church. No water, clean water. So the people get born again, but if your water is not born again? Well, yes, they can get born again, and that's okay. You can promise them to go to heaven. That is wonderful. But they're not going tomorrow. They're still here. Mm -hmm. You know, you get them in church. They're sickly every day. Even if you believe in the power of prayer, and you believe in the miracles and the signs. But for how long are you going to pray for these people? Because they are dirty, they are not hygienic, they know nothing, they are not educated, as you can see them. Uh, but if you set up a school, infant school for them, and then you give them clean water, and you give them a church, then you begin to transform them through the local church. Right. And you are now transforming the entire community. And for those that kind of wrinkle their nose and they go, oh, this is just colonialism. And this is a village where there are witch doctors in place right now that want to kill their children. Mm. There are witch doctors in, 
East Africa right now, it's technically illegal, but when you're on the outstretches of where the law can get to, child sacrifice has actually increased in these last two years, not decreased. So when you bring in Jesus and teach them that you don't have to be afraid of the witch doctor or the voodoo priest in Haiti, uh, the medicine man, they don't have to live in fear. They can actually take the chicken and feed their children with it. Now, they don't have to go get a curse removed before. So there's a real practical thing that's happening when people are learning they're no longer having to live under religion and under fear and under, and what happens is what's the next step? This is a village that's, what is this village called? This is Chitterede. Chitterede. Yeah. So I got that one. And this is where we were this summer, a school that is built now. And these kids a year ago looked like these kids. And you can see the progress of what mm-hmm. happens with kids who now have Man, they get to wear their little uniforms. And I know you private school kids in Williamson County, you all whining about your, your little you know, shirts and your button-down collars. But this is exciting for them to get to wear a uniform to school and to get an education. And it is a game changer. So as I recall, didn't we make arrangements for the witch doctor in this community uh, that he's not doing business anymore? Yeah, yeah. no business because yeah, you when do. you take away all the kids from those people and you bring them to this yeah. church, this school, now you have taken away the entire, the entire community. Yeah. You, you get the community in the, in the school and then from the school you put them in the church, yeah. then you are transforming the yeah. community. And is this the one where the Muslims sold the land to us? Yes, sir. Yeah, you so remember very local well. Muslim uh, guy knew that a Jesus church coming into his community was going to do way better for them. In fact, as I recall, this is the one where we drove by an old abandoned Catholic school that mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. abandoned and fallen off, fallen apart, mm-hmm. completely empty. Completely nothing. You know, so they've seen there was no hope from uh, the, the Catholic past. There's no hope from their Islamic. There's certainly no hope from the government, mm-hmm. right? I mean, is the government in your country doing anything in these places? Yeah, that is our trick. You know, when we go to any community, and uh, the people are complaining. They are like, uh, oh, the government has not done this for us. The government has for, forsaken us. That is a sign that we can go now to give them what they don't have, to give them what the government cannot give them. We have to be the answer with our Jesus to those communities. Yeah. And it's great when you think about it in terms of Again, when it, as far as Islam goes, Islam tells them at the end of their lives there are these scales, and if they have one more bad work than good work, then they're damned to hell forever. Their women are property, they're treated. So you're literally not only setting them free from witch doctors, you're setting them free from religion that wants to uh, treat them in fear and giving them the real gospel. Lots of bad things have been done in the name of Jesus, but you can't go to the Bible and say it was Jesus. They have to stretch the scriptures. You can go to the Quran and make a real good case for what, what they're doing with Islam, but with Jesus, the true gospel, the gospel that we know here, when it's brought here, doesn't bring bondage. It brings freedom and it brings uh, education. It brings clean water to them. And then at the bottom, what we see are... This was right before we were getting ready to leave. Can you point out to my wife? She's there. This is, uh, this is the matriarch right here. Yeah. Catherine. Point Mama out Matala. Jojo, is that what we call her? Jojo? Yeah. <laughs> Every uh, Ugandan in this photo are young men and women that were at one point here in this yes. upper corner. That was their history. That became a part of their present. And this is the future 
So when we talk about community transformation, that's what we're talking about. Mm. Literally transforming kids, moms, dads, in this, I don't know in this picture specifically, but you've got civil engineers, you've got film uh, makers, lawyers, lawyers, four lawyers, four no. lawyers. We need lawyers. Twenty-five, uh, twenty-five nurses, uh, social workers, teachers, teachers, um, agriculturalists, so mechanics. Yeah, uh, those kind of people. They were like those ones many years ago. Yeah. So when we talk about church planting. We are at seven so far, or eight, seven or eight? Seven now. Seven now. We have two more in process. We're on our way to 10 uh, in the next couple of years. And every village that we're in, we're building a, uh, a school that'll be a church. There's a, a, a well, and when there's medical needs, if they're there, we're going to make sure those are met. Like, it's literally not just going and doing an evangelism and doing some skits. It's literally coming in and saying, with indigenous pastors, indigenous leaders, letting them lead a local pastor in a local church and it transforms communities. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you that we spent a lot of time trying to teach the African church how to do it. Brothers and sisters, we can learn a lot from the African church on how to do church. If we're only here just to come and get, right? That's not a mission, that's just an event. But these folks right here become a part of the mission of Jesus. They don't come and just get. They come and learn and grow and are transformed. Jesus didn't say go and make converts. He said go and make disciples. disciples. And disciples transform communities, transformed people, transformed sure. communities. And that's what we have a chance sure. to do here. And uh, discipleship in Africa means a lot. You talk about heaven. You talk about holiness, purity, all those kind of things. But you have to talk about hygiene, hard work, saving, all those kind of things, you include them in what you call discipleship. If you don't do that, you are going to have sickly people always in your charge. You are going to have poor people all the time in your charge. You have heard about stories, stories about Africa. Africa, people are very poor, people are very poor. Why are we poor? We're poor because of the stupid wars that we fight each other, tribal wars. You have your own problems here, we have our own problems there. But same devil, you know. But those are the, the problems that causes poverty in our country. But there is something that we can do to change that. We can transform ourselves with our Jesus. We can transform our communities. It doesn't matter how poor the people are. We believe with Jesus all things are possible. So. Let me ask you this question. You've been in America now for the last month or so. You're going to be here for another month what do you think that the church in America needs to hear from the church in Uganda? What, what lessons are you saying, oh man, I really wish if I had one chance to say one thing to this church, what, what would that be? Well, that's a very difficult question. Um, I've been here and uh, I was in Phoenix before I came here and I had the gospel ministers there None of them was speaking any good thing about America. The Americans, American pastors, preachers, 
but none of them was speaking good things about America. They are saying America is rotten, America is cursed, America is bad. And I was wondering, I confronted them and said, why are you blame, why are you cursing your country? You can't bless what you are cursing. America is not cursed, America is blessed. You are a blessed nation. Despite all those sins you see here and there, sins are everywhere. Satan is everywhere. They are sinning in Uganda, they are sinning in Europe, they are sinning everywhere. They are sinning in America because the devil is everywhere. But we can't condemn and then we bless. We can't bless and then we condemn. I just want you to hear me. America is not cast. Right. You a blessed nation. It doesn't matter what the devil does here and there, you are still a blessed nation. If you don't know, hear that from me. You are blessing Africa. You are blessing Uganda. You are blessing. Your soldiers are everywhere. They are everywhere dying for us. You are blessing the whole world. The first missionaries who came to Uganda were Americans. How did I come to know Jesus? Because the American preachers came and preached. You are blessed people. So the next time you hear some legacy media guy wringing his hands and wrinkling his nose and cursing our nation, you know that's not from the mouth of God at all. That's from the pit of hell. Bless. We're blessed and God is going to continue to bless as long as we continue to bless the nations in front of us. And I'm telling you, I've been around the world and I've been in some of the worst places and one thing you see very commonly is like some little matching t-shirts of some Christians from America that are out there on the front lines doing very dangerous things. Now, I will say this. One of the great things I'm seeing now as well is Filipino missionaries. You're seeing Ugandan missionaries. You're seeing, we aren't the only ones in the missionary game anymore. God is sending nations into all kinds of nations. But God has been very kind in our country. And I wanted you to hear firsthand from somebody that has experienced the blessings of this church I, I, honestly, I don't even know how much money the Lord has allowed us. It's probably close to a million dollars that we have invested so far in building churches and drilling wells. And we do it because we have a partner like Alex that we trust implicitly. Trust is the only currency in this. If someone, if anybody's been involved in missions at all around the world, you know this. If you find somebody you can trust, hold on to that one because you can do great things for God. And man, I've learned to trust Alex. Because every, You know why we trust him? Because every time we say we're going to build a school and we send him money, I go there six months later and there's a school. It's really that simple. In fact, you may not know this, but if you've been around for a while, you've, you might have seen our Conduit Mission t-shirts and on the back it says we're not screwing around. A little edgy. But it came... It came because I was walking with Alex in the middle of this field. I'm like, how in the world did you? Like, it's like, well, we are not messing around over here. I'm like, oh, it's our new slogan for the mission. Let me ask you this, the future. Alex is 70 years old, okay? <laughs> and you can't, you can't see it, but he's trying to grow a beard because he's a grandpa and he's going to see his grandkids. But yeah, it's a, it's, in favor of my granddaughter. Yeah. It's a little bit of a famine, but we're trying. You know, we're trying to. I need prayers. 
One of the things that Alex has talked about is that legacy is not what I've done. Legacy is what will happen when I'm gone. And he is in that season now of building legacy. And he's got an army of young men and women that are educated everywhere from America to India to Kenya to Uganda, scientists and teachers. And he's got an army of young men and women that love the Lord and that are educated. And so in this season, it's about how do we put fuel in the engine so that they don't have to continue to do what you do, which is come here to help raise funds every year. So what does that look like? What's the, what, what is one of the things you're doing right now that's gonna help build that future? Um, when the missionaries came, um, they taught us the gospel. They taught us holiness, the Holy Spirit, and those wonderful theological things which are very, very, very important. But uh, they forgot to teach us about hard work, saving, and planning. So most of our churches, people are very poor. We are fighting that. Now, when you are 70 years, you are kind of, you begin to think of what will happen when you die. Because you have to die someday. But when you die, who is going to take care of those children? We have 2,500 children in our center. It is the largest center for children in Uganda. We feed them from our farms. This church sent us money and we bought a huge bulldozer, D8. <laughs> That's what we use to clear the land and to do things to help these kids. However, what will happen if Alex Mitara, me, die? And we are raising these young people. How are they going to, how will they be able to carry on this when we have died? We are now thinking of sustainability pro projects. Projects that will sustain this ministry even after we have died. We are tired of begging. Time for begging is over. It is very hard to go to America, jump from church to church trying to raise money. It's very hard. We want to start raising money back home. That's what we are doing now. We are planting corn and other African foods to feed our 2,500 kids. You have seen that. I've seen it. It's, it literally looks like a Nebraska farm. I mean, combines, John Deere, grain silos, and it's all operated by Ugandan young men and women who've gone to agricultural school in Uganda. Exactly. Operated all, and it feeds the 2,500 kids at the school. Project number two, we started a farm, uh, a plantation of banana plantain. You saw that. Mm -hmm. 63 acres. Now that is done. We are going to phase three, coffee. Praise Jesus. We are going to raise 100 acres of coffee. I mean, I love plantains and everything, but you know, it's coffee. So coffee, uh, Uganda is number seven coffee growing nation behind, behind Brazil. Brazil is the number one. So the Brazilians are coming to Uganda to train Ugandans 
how to grow coffee the best way. So we are going to be part of that. Yeah. And with that, coffee, coffee stays around for 100 years. I'll be dead by all that. I'll be dead a long time ago. But coffee will still stay in Uganda taking care of these children. That's why I'm here. The, um, the idea of how this can sustain into the future. Uh, I, I owned a company for a long time. I've been self-employed most of my adult life. And, and I know, if you're, especially if you've owned a business or own a business, you know it's not easy. It's not as simple as I just go plant beans and it's going to work itself out. Like we, you know there are complexities to this. So I want you to know that I wouldn't stand next to Alex. Other young missionaries have told me this is something they want to do, but let me put it this way. You don't want the maturity of the minister, of the leader, to be outpaced by the size of the ministry. Right, so if you've got this complex ministry, but you've got a young guy or girl that hasn't quite figured it out yet, you know, you want to try to keep it in, in, uh, in check. And Alex has been at this longer than most of you have been alive. And I've seen firsthand that the size of his maturity is bigger than the size of his ministry. And I'm telling you, that's saying a lot because they've got hospitals, trade schools, theology schools, 200 churches all over. The, this man is not screwing around. So when I say that this is something that I believe he could pull off and he has the men and women in place to secede him when this is done, succeed him, not succeed, succeed him, I believe it with all my heart. Uh, he's looking, they're going to, it's 100 acres. 100 acres. Okay. Uh, by the time you buy the land, buy the equipment, buy the little seedlings for the coffee beans, uh, staff it out, it's about $250,000. Total. Total. Yeah. Everything. Everything. And if anybody here, you just feel like that God wants you to be a part of a now, that's awesome. God give you that heart. But some of y'all, God gives you a heart for the future and sustaining something into the future. If that's your heart, I would ask you to just prayerfully consider, is this a place that you want to invest into the, into the future? You can come with us to Uganda if you want to see it firsthand. We can make that happen. Uh, I'm just telling you, I've never seen anything like it. Like, I've traveled the world, and I've never seen anything like what's happening in Uganda. It's one of the reasons we have invested so much in the church planning for the now. Uh, a couple of ways you can do that. Online, if, if you can just help at all, uh, conduitchurch.com, donate. There's a drop-down that says uh, Uganda Community Transformation. 100% will go to that. Uh, if you want to write a check, we do have little uh, boxes in the back. And just again, Uganda Transformation, we'll make sure 100% of it goes to that. If you're somebody that's got a, a, a bigger vision for life and you've had some success in a way and you want to meet with him like for your own little personal shark tank before he leaves town, uh, he leaves town tomorrow. So your only opportunity is this evening. So email me, Darren at ConduitChurch.com and I can make that happen if you want to meet with him tonight. But I believe with all my heart that this is something that, I believe it because I've seen it happen over and over again. He'll tell me, yeah, we need a, we need a tractor. We need a bulldozer. I'm like, well, how are you going to get a tractor or a bulldozer? And then you go over there and there's a tractor and a bulldozer. So the answer is, is God uh, keeps doing it for him. So if that's on your heart, would you prayerfully consider doing that? Um, Alex, anything else you want to say before we pray for you? Um, I want to say thank you. Thank you very much. Let's pray for Alex. Heavenly Father. 
I'm one of the luckiest pastors on the planet. The friends that you have given me, that have inspired me, that have led me, that have taught me, Alex is one of the best. I have learned so much from what he has poured into my life personally, my family, and this church. Brothers and sisters here will probably have no idea how much Alex has influenced this church, more so than any American church planning organization. We have been influenced by Alex and by BBT Ministries in Uganda. Lord, if this is your will, and it sure looks like it is, we know that you're gonna fund it. We don't have to beg, we don't have to borrow, we don't have to knock and plead, but we just ask, Lord, that if you're moving on anybody's heart today, that they would just open the door and see what you're asking him to do. Believing with all my heart that by this time next year, I'm gonna step down in Uganda territory and see the coffee beans being planted for the first time. As Alex said, we don't have much time left. He wants to get this going. He's 70 years old. I want to get this moving quickly for the future for their organization. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you give him a hand as he goes? Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Thank you.